chapter 19, kids. Luke 15, verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. For people who didn't grow up in church, one of the most surprising things about the Bible has to be the stuff it doesn't say. There are so many things we want to know but don't because the writers of the scriptures didn't tell us. I mean, we'd like to know where Cain found his wife. We'd like to know what the original universal language was before the Tower of Babel. Although, my friend Tom assures me it was his favorite one, Italian. And we'd like to know what all those wheels within wheels were about in Ezekiel's vision. I mean, I have tons of questions about stuff that I've read in that book. And the thing that can be so frustrating is the way the Bible doesn't stop to answer these questions, but just kind of plows on through the narrative like my dad on vacation, just driving down the interstate without stopping, trying to make good time. I mean, would it have killed the Apostle Paul to throw one more sentence into 2 Corinthians 12 telling us exactly what that thorn in the flesh was? Couldn't Moses have given us a short but descriptive paragraph about the glory of God walking away before he started wearing the bag over his glowing head? And what about the Apostle John? I don't think a quick illustration or sketch of all those, you know, living creatures with various heads, eyes, horns, and wings from Revelation is too much to ask for. The fact is, for all the stuff the Bible does tell us, It leaves out tons of important things we would really like to know. And a lot of that has to do with Jesus himself. Like, what did Jesus look like? Did he really wear that weird sash thingy they always put in all the paintings? Was he athletic? Was he funny? What in the world did he write on the ground with his finger when the Pharisees brought that poor woman caught in adultery? What was his favorite food? His favorite song? Was he a hugger? I mean, come on, he had to be a hugger, right? What was he like as a little boy? What was he like as a toddler or a teenager? The Bible simply doesn't tell us this stuff. I mean, we know some things about his birth and we get one little episode from when he was around 12. But besides that, the scriptures are basically silent on Jesus's life until he was 30 years old. In John chapter eight, Jesus said, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? None of them could, because Jesus was perfect. He was pure and holy in every sense of that word. He never did, said, or even thought anything wrong, wicked, or sinful his entire life. Our Lord lived every single second of every day perfectly in step with exactly what God the Father wanted for him. When he was a baby... He was a perfect baby. When he was a toddler, he was a perfect toddler and so on and so on. He grew physically, mentally, psychologically, and emotionally as a person, but was always sinless and perfectly righteous that entire time. And maybe the Bible doesn't really describe Jesus as a teenager because, you know, the idea of a sinless teenage boy is just so unbelievably hard to imagine that we couldn't really process the information. When Jesus closed up his carpenter shop for the last time and left home to begin his mission in earnest, he went to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. 
When Jesus came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And then God the Father said out loud, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. In that moment, Almighty God was looking on Jesus' life like a proud parent from the bleachers saying, That's my boy. Look at him. Watch him go. I'm so proud he's mine. Over in Luke chapter 15, Jesus was trying to explain to the religious leadership why he was friends with all the sinners. So he told them some stories. Actually, he really just told them one story in three different ways. The first was about a man who lost one sheep out of a hundred. The next was about a woman who lost one coin out of ten. And the last story was about a man who lost one son out of two. In this story, the youngest of the two kids said he didn't want to be in his father's family anymore and wanted his inheritance so that he could leave home for good. In other words, he wanted life his own way. Now, of course, you don't collect your inheritance until your parents die. So this was like telling your own dad, I'd be better off if you were dead. So can we just pretend you're dead now and you can just go ahead and give me the money? Dang. (sighs) The son took the money from the hands of his broken hearted father and bolted. He went far away, made new friends and wasted all that money on, you know, living life his way. But when the money ran out, so did his friends. Then there was this famine and he couldn't get a job. Pretty soon he was slopping pigs and wishing he could digest their food so he wouldn't die. Jesus says that at a certain point, this son came to his senses and decided to go home. He thought his dad would hate him thought his dad would punish him or disown him, maybe even kill him. He practiced a speech where he would beg for a job. But before he could get all the way home, his dad came running down the road. He saw his son from the front porch of the house, which, by the way, is where the dad had been watching for his son every single day. And he ran to meet him, screaming, my son, my son, he's back. He's back home. And there was no punishment, there was no penalty box, just a huge party. And we were that son who ran away, and God is the father running down the road with tears in his eyes and forgiveness in his heart. And the question has to be asked, how did this happen when we've been so wrong? But it was Jesus Jesus, who never did or said or even thought anything wrong, who took our place. He bore our wrong, our guilt, our shame, and he took our punishment on himself. God the Father turned from God the Son he loved because Jesus switched places with us. Jesus traded his record for yours. And now you can be forgiven, but that's not all. If you want it, God will not only take away your wrong, but he will actually also put something good in. In the moment that you receive Jesus, believe him, 
God declares you just as righteous as Jesus himself. It's as if you had lived every single moment of your life just as righteously as Jesus would have lived your life, your story, your moments. Because of what Jesus endured on the cross, God the Father looks at you like that proud parent in the bleacher saying, that's my kid right there. I'm so proud you're mine. For more, get to a quiet place. Read Luke 15, 11 through 24 and Matthew 3, 13 through 17. What does it mean that Jesus has switched places with you? What about your life and your heart would change if you really believed that you have switched places? What's holding you back from believing it? Tell him all about it.